Well, good morning, church family. My name is Sydney, and I'm one of the volunteer worship leaders here at Crossroads. We are so excited that you decided to come here and celebrate with us today. Um, we're going to spend some time talking today about why we gather and why that's so important for us as Christians. But before we get started, I wanted to read a verse to you. It's from Hebrews 10, 23, and it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We have such a faithful God, and when we come into unity with him, he gives us so much freedom. So would you stand this morning as we continue in worship and celebrate that freedom this morning? into the wild and don't be afraid running through wide open spaces graces waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted graces waiting where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom
you unravel me you unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God
Well, if you worshiped with us together last week, you know that we learned a new song called Let It Echo. There's a line in the song that I just really, really love, and it says, we're standing on horizons where earth collides with heaven. I love this picture of earth colliding with heaven because it's a picture that we see from the beginning to the end of the story of the Bible. See, when God created the heavens and the earth, they were connected. And then it was sin that broke that connection. Heaven became disconnected from earth. God became disconnected from man. And then we enter the centuries long story of God trying to reconnect with his people. I think about times when that started to overlap. There's a story where a guy named Jacob had a dream and he saw a ladder descend out of heaven and angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. A little bit later, God gives really, really detailed instructions to build a temple. And there's this specific rituals that they do so that God's presence can dwell. And God says, I wanna be their, their God. I want them to be my people. If you fast forward all the way to the end, Revelation chapter 21, the fulfillment of this story is a new heaven and earth descending out of heaven, coming down and once again reuniting. And God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. This is the very thing that when asked how to pray, Jesus said, pray like this. And one of the things that he says in that prayer is that the Father's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as in heaven. And so when we declare things that this song says like, let heaven fall, we are joining in that prayer. We are being obedient to what Jesus has asked us to pray for. And so before we sing, I wanna give us a chance just to pray that together. I'm gonna to start us out by praying a little, and then I'm just gonna give some space for us to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as in heaven. And then following that, we'll be able to sing this song together. So would you pray with me? God, we want to see your glory fill the earth like it filled the temple. God, we wanna see your spirit come and your will done. So God, we pray now that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as in heaven.
God, we want our praises to echo, to trickle out. God, I'm reminded of times when, when the shouting and the sound of trumpets and the sound of praise to you shook walls. So God, we want to shake the walls of this church. We want to shake the strongholds of the enemy as we see your victory come. So God, we declare your victory here and now because of what we've seen you do, because we believe that you are faithful to see it through. We declare your victory and we sing your praise and we're going to let it echo. God, as we stand in your presence, we want to be faithful to cry out for more. So God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as in heaven. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, hey guys, my name's Nikki and I'm just part of the staff here. And um, as we get ready to um, come around this time that we call communion, where we participate in drinking juice and eating bread that resembles Jesus' body, um, we wanna read a scripture that just talks a little bit about how we can do that. What Jeremy just talked to us about and what we just prayed about, this idea of letting the love of God echo through us and into our city seems like a pretty big idea, right? A pretty big task. Um, but Peter actually talks to us about this very thing. Um, and so we're going to put a scripture up on the screen. And I just want to invite you to read it aloud with me, do something a little bit different, and especially as students, there's a lot of you today. So I want to hear you guys specifically. Um, also, sorry to any adults whose spots were taken, but also not sorry, right? Because we're supposed to like make room for the next generation. So yeah, it's awesome to have you guys here. Um, Let's go ahead and just read this scripture together. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And that's 1 Peter 2, 24. And so we see here that Peter writes and he just says this. He says, Jesus died so that we can right? So that we can live for what is right. It's that simple. Even though sometimes the enemy will come in and tell us lies that we have to have it all together. We have to have it all figured out. He's really going here. Okay. Jesus died and once and for all, he doesn't have to come back and do all that again. What he did some 2000 years ago is still good for us today. We can still stand on that. We can still stand in the victory when he defeated death, hell and the grave and rose. And that's what we can allow to invade our hearts and our souls and let that echo through us into our world. So I just want you to think about that, pray about that as you have some time on your own to take this communion, this bread and juice resembling his body. I'm gonna pray for us and you'll have some time to do that now. Lord, we come to you today um, with hearts that would just say yes. Lord, we say yes to you. Whether we're in here and um, we have just started the first year of sixth grade, we've just started middle school, or we're in here today and um, we have been a Christian for 40 or 50 years. Lord, you call us your children, first of all, and you said that your sacrifice then was enough for us now to live right. So we pray, God, as we, um, as we go forward, Lord, as a church, that we would let your love echo through our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
going to continue in this time of worship. So we invite you to stand as we sing another song together.
really is our prayer for endless days. We just want to give God praise, give God glory through um, what we do, through our worship, through our lives, through how we live. Um, and so we are a church that um, we're committed to that and we are expectant for God to just continue to move. You know, um, if you weren't here this past service, um, there were actually two people that were baptized in the last service and then last Sunday as well, in case you missed it, um, there were five people that were baptized. Over the course of one week, we've seen seven people declare their faith publicly through baptism. Yeah, absolutely something to celebrate. But really, um, we just believe that's just the beginning. Like it's just the tip of the iceberg of this new thing, this fresh thing that God um, is doing here in us and through us. And so we believe that as a church body. And we hope that like, if it's your first time today, that you would join us in believing that too, even for yourself, that God wants to do something new in and through you. And so if you're new, welcome, um, whether you're an adult here or you're a student, um, we do want to let you know that we'd love to know you came. And so there are some cards in the seat backs that say new here. You can take that, fill that out. If you're an adult with us today, just go ahead and drop it in the offering as it passes. If you're a student, um, we have leaders sitting all among you. So you can just give that card to one of your leaders there. I see Joel, he's sitting there. So um, go ahead and pass that to any one of them. If you're new, we want to help connect you to the life of our church. And also right after service, there's a welcome center in our atrium. We can meet you there just say hey and give you a gift. Um, but we're gonna continue now in this just attitude of worship and gratitude for all God has done for us just by giving back to Him. We know that everything we have is just kind of on loan to us. It's already His, God owns it all, and He gives us part of that. And so we return it to Him now in worship to just say, Lord, take it and just have your will be done today. So that's our prayer. There's a couple ways you can give. Um, there's an envelope in the seat back. There's a way you can text to give. And um, there's also an app we have. You can download that anytime time and also even during the sermons you can take notes on there too so let's go ahead and just pray together over our giving Lord, we love you and um, we thank you so, so much for these seven people who just committed their lives to you publicly through being baptized, leaving their old life behind and coming up out of that water a new creation, continue to draw them closer to you. And Lord, use our finances, use what's being given today to further your kingdom in Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys, well, I've asked my husband Ross to join me on stage here for a second because we've got some really exciting stuff happening. If you didn't already see people in the atrium wearing shirts like this that say small groups and support groups, um, you probably have connected the dots and seen that today we're talking all about groups. That's right. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about kind of our story. We moved here about three, three and a half years ago and uh, didn't know anyone. And so the idea of starting and especially leading a small group seemed absolutely impossible to us. Yet today, uh, we have a small group of about 15 people we consider some of our best friends in the world. And uh, almost every single one of them were brought to our group via Group Connect. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to figure out who they were and how to connect them. And so I would encourage you, if you're on the fence about this thing, get off the fence, okay? You need to come Tuesday. Um, it's an opportunity just to come to church, meet some new people, and get connected to a group. Yeah, absolutely. Tuesday night right here in the atrium is Group Connect. Um, there's childcare available. Don't let that hold you back. There's also a way to sign up for it right when you leave. Um, and there's a bunch of people on kind of the opposite side of the atrium talking all about support 
support groups, women's groups, men's groups, senior adult ministry. Um, so again, we wanna get you connected no matter where you're at. And for support groups, they differ just a little bit from small groups in the sense that they're a group of people that are all united and kind of in something that they have in common. So we have groups like cancer support, right? We have divorce care. We have groups for veterans, um, family members of vets, groups for uh, single moms, uh, Financial Peace University, which we can attest to. We took that when we were engaged and we are very thankful that we did. Um, so please, please don't leave today without talking to someone, getting connected. Yep. So something you're gonna hear us talk a, a lot more about here at Crossroads is this idea that groups are where we grow. And so we're just gonna kind of repeat this together. Would you guys say this after me? Say groups are where we grow. Groups are where we grow. Very that good, very good, yeah. yeah. Give yourselves a big round of very applause. Nice. Best one we've heard so far. That was good, that was good. Thank you, Nikki. As she goes uh, backstage, actually, we are gonna transition at this time in our service to the message portion. I actually have the honor and privilege of speaking to you today. And so we wanna thank you for being here, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus or joining us right now online. Like your host said, my name is Ross. I am the youth pastor here at our Newburgh campus. And uh, I'm so thrilled to be here with you today as we are in week three of our series, Let's Do This. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to go. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of context and kind of catch you up to where we're at. Last week, our lead pastor, Phil Heller, talked to us about this idea in 1 Peter uh, that we are called. And so today we're going to go through that a little bit more. You're going to hear, we'll recap just a little bit from last week and talk about what does it really look like to be called. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 9 today. And this is what uh, Peter, the author of 1 Peter says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And you'll notice that when it comes to our calling, it's not just a calling to us as individuals, but today what we're going to talk about is that we as the body of Christ gathered here together today, we have a collective calling. And that's actually the title of this message this morning, if you're taking notes with me, a collective calling, a collective calling. Would you pray with me as we dive into the word tonight or this morning, excuse me. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are and uh, for everything that you've done. God, I thank you that we get to come here. We get to learn more about you. We get to grow in our relationship with you. But God, that we don't just get to learn about you, but we get to now go and put it in practice. So God, I pray that you would help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively this morning and that we would leave this place better than we came in. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, I knew when I was in the first grade, that I was called. I had been hand selected. I had been hand picked. I was equipped, anointed, and appointed to be the hall monitor of my first grade class. My, uh, my teacher in the first grade, Mrs. Core, uh, she had this idea that on a weekly basis, she would choose a student to be her helper for that week. But she had a, bet, a much better name for it than just hall monitor because it was so much more than that. She called the title the class captain. 
I heard that for the first time and I was like, I love that. I knew I was called to be the class captain. I'll never forget the week that I was finally chosen to be the class captain by Miss Core. I was so ready. I was so prepared. If there were papers that needed to be passed out to the class, oh, I was going to pass out those papers like nobody's business. If there was a door to be held, I was going to be the best door holder this world had ever seen. If there was a line to be led, oh, we were putting fingers on lips and hands on hips. And I was leading that line the best I possibly could. I was going to lead my classroom room to safety and down the hall quietly the best I possibly could now if you know me you know from time to time I can be a little bit dramatic I took the job of class captain I'm telling you way too serious friends way too serious I was way too excited about it I was way too pumped I even when I found out that I was going to be the class captain for that week I went home this was not required but I went home and I made myself a class captain badge okay I show up to school the next day I'm like hey Class captain here, y'all gotta listen to me. I'm in charge now. All my friends were like, Ross has lost it. Truth is though, I was just really excited, man. I, I wanted them to know how big of a deal this was to me that I had been chosen, that I had been called. And there's just something about being appointed to something, right? There's just something to be, about being asked to do something that creates a certain excitement and a certain passion on the inside of us, doesn't it? And we talk about this all the time in the church, like we are called, we're called, we're called. Several times actually in the book of First Peter, the word calling, called, call, it's mentioned several times throughout the book. But the truth is like, what does that really mean? Like, what does that really look like? In the church world, when we think about calling, we think about somebody who's called to go into the ministry or maybe somebody who's called to go out on the mission field. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you felt called to be a nurse. You felt the calling to be a school teacher. And a lot of times when we think about the calling, this is the phrase that we use, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? But what I love about God is that he's always more concerned with the who than the do. He's so much more concerned with who we are rather than what we're doing. If you think about it, if the who is wrong, the do ain't going to be right. God is so much more concerned with the things of the heart, our intentions, our motives, our integrity. This is the God that we serve. I like to think of it this way. And this is a free point for you today. If you're taking notes with us, when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. When we know who we are, we'll know what to do. It's like when I was 19 years old, I was the camp counselor at a summer camp for my home church. And uh, me and a friend of mine who was also 19, he was a counselor as well, we're sitting down talking. And one day, one of the, a couple of the kids, they, they get in a fight. And a group starts to gather around these kids that are in a fight. And they're shouting, fight, 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 fight. And me and my friend, we see what's going on. We go into the circle and we're like, oh yeah, get him, fight, fight, fight. And then we have this moment where me and my friend looked at each other and we're like, oh yeah, we're in charge. <laughs> we're supposed to step in and do something about this. Why? Because when we knew who we were, we knew what 
to do. And in the book of 1 Peter, the author, Peter, is writing to a group of first century Christians. Notice I said he's writing to a group, not just an individual. Every single one of us, we have an individual calling on our life, that's true, but Peter's actually writing to them as a group to remind them that they have a collective calling. They have a collective calling. Notice he says, you are a chosen person. No, he says, you're a chosen people. That you are a royal priest. No, no, you're a royal priesthood. That you are a holy person. No, you're a holy nation. He's talking to a group of people. He's reminding them that, friends, you are called, but this is a group effort. This is a collective effort calling. And he's writing to this group of people who are being persecuted by the world that they live in. The Christians in the first century were wildly misunderstood. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I know that I do. In the world that we live in today, I feel as though Christians are more misunderstood and more misrepresented, maybe than more than ever right now today. So the message that Peter is writing to them should be and is still relevant for us today. Check out what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they persecute you, though they misunderstand you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Point number one of the message this morning is this. We are collectively called to live differently. We're collectively called to live differently. Notice what Peter doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, you need to remind the world of everything that you believe and force them to believe it or else. He doesn't say that. He says, we're gonna show them what we believe by what, how we behave. We're gonna show them what we believe by how we behave. Friends, I can't change anybody and neither can you. But yet I want us as the church collectively, the reason why we come here together and gather, I want us to be able to change the world. How in the world do we change the world? We change the world by allowing the world to see God changing us. I used to play a lot of baseball when I was younger, right? And I remember one specific game, I, I made a bunch of errors out in the field. I had like four errors in one inning and the other team scored a bunch of runs because of me, because of my lack of defense. And I came into the dugout, you know, kind of dejected. My head was down. I was really upset, even though I was about to be up to bat. I think I was on deck. And my coach, my coach sees me come into the dugout, sees me upset and says, Ross, what's wrong? And I said, I just, you know, the other team just scored a lot of points because of my lack of defense. And he goes, well, you, you got to go out there and hit. I was like, I know, I'm just so mad. And my coach said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Ross, Sometimes the best defense is a really good offense. So how about you put your helmet on and go out there and get us a hit on offense now? And so often in the church, I think we as Christians are so quick to be on the defensive that we need to prove our point to our critics, that we need to show someone else that they are wrong. But my question is, what would happen if we stopped being so defensive all the time to a skeptical and critical world, but instead we just started to have a really good offense? We showed them what we believe by how we live different than the rest of the world. We show them what we believe by how we behave. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 
chapter 2, verse 15. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. It's the way you live that's going to silence your critics. Not what you post on social media, however clever it may be. But it's the way you live that's going to help the people that simply just don't know better. So what do we do in this skeptical world that we're trying to win to Jesus? We, we do the simple things. We love them anyway. We give extravagantly. We serve faithfully. And we do it over and over and over again. And with time and consistency, our living different will change this world. I love this story that I found while just doing some research for this, for this message. It's a story that Pastor Craig Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma, shares. That when he was an early pastor and they were just planning the church, he was about 25 years old, and a reporter in their city actually wrote a pretty critical article of him and their church. When Craig got a hold of this article, he was furious. And he went home and he told his wife, he says, and he says, we got to do something, you know? We got, we got to defend ourselves. And she says, no, we don't. Instead, how about we just be us? How about we just be who we are called to be? So they did nothing. And if you know the story of Life Church, they're one of the biggest churches in America right now. But over the years, even more of a decade went by, and all of a sudden one day, Pastor Craig Rochelle, he got a letter in the mail from that reporter and said, Pastor Rochelle, you may not remember me. And Greg was like, ah, uh, yes, I do remember you. He says, you may not remember me, but a few years back, I wrote a pretty awful article about you and your church. But what I didn't tell you is that I had family that went to your church and I was furious about it. So I just sat back very, very critical, very skeptical. And I observed. And over the years, what I saw happen was there was one time my daughter's school was really in some trouble and your church actually paid for renovations to take place at her school. And I just thought that was really weird, you know, that a church would spend all that money just to help out a little school. And then there was a time I had a family member who was in the hospital, they were sick, and your wife actually came by and checked up on them when my family member wasn't even a member of your church. Then later on in life, my son was having some financial struggles and he couldn't afford to pay his rent. I, I could not believe that your church offered to pay my son's rent to help him out financially. And so I decided then just, I was gonna come back to your church to remind myself of all the things I didn't like about your church. I was gonna prove myself right and I was gonna prove you guys wrong. So I came week one and I wasn't proved right. And I came week two and I wasn't proved right. And I came week three and I kept coming back and I couldn't find anything to be critical about anymore. I was actually wrong. And Pastor Groeschel, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that this past April, I, I made Jesus my Lord and Savior of my life. I was baptized, and now I am a proud member of Life Church here in Oklahoma. How incredible. Yeah, we can clap for that. How incredible of a story. What I love about it is that it wasn't a smooth comeback. It wasn't defensiveness that won him over. What was it? It was consistently living different. Because here's the thing about living different is that it's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. And it kind of sticks out. 
to the rest of the world when we do. Here's the truth about living different though, is that you can live differently and still suffer because of it. You can live different and suffer because of it. Listen, you may not get the promotion because your boss knows that you're living for Jesus. You may not get invited to the party because those friends know that you're a Christ follower and you're not gonna be any fun. Listen, students, you may get made fun of because people know that you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life. The Christians that Peter was writing to in 1 Peter knew this more than anyone. They were facing all types of persecution. This is what Peter tells them, though, which is pretty strange in verse 16. He says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now, already it's kind of strange because he says live as people and uses the word slaves in the same sentence. This was also a lot more strange because the people he was writing to were anything but free. Check this out, in verse 13, he actually says, submit to human authority. They were under the control of the Roman government. They had no freedom when it came to their government. In verse 18, he says, slaves, submit to your masters, your employer. Guess what? Slaves had no freedom when it came to their job. They were facing injustice of all kinds. Later on in chapter three, verse one, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. This has to do with an unhealthy home life. What was happening is that wives were actually coming to know Jesus, were making him their Lord and savior of their life, but their husbands who were trapped in tradition and old customs and religion were not making Jesus their Lord and savior of their life. So wives were fundamentally unhappy at home. You gotta love this. Peter's like, live as free people, but submit, submit, submit. Peter, where is the freedom in that? Yet there's a pastor by the name of Colin Smith with a really awesome Scottish accent who says this, freedom means that you have the ability to make a different choice. Freedom means that you have the ability to make a different choice. Friends, you and I today, we have freedom in the fact that we don't have to do what the rest of the world is doing, that we don't have to act like they act because that's just the normal. We don't have to be normal because normal is to be nice to people who are nice to you. Normal is when somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. Normal is when they wrong you, you wrong them back. When they criticize you, normal means to criticize them back, but you and I as believers are collectively called to make a different choice and there is freedom in that. Do you know who did this better than anyone else? Jesus, believe it or not. This is what Peter says about Jesus in verse 21. He says, to this you were called, there's that word again, because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is what Jesus was doing while they were killing him on a cross. This is what Peter is talking about. But during this same time, what were Jesus' believers doing? Would you believe this, that on Sunday, 
his followers were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But by Friday, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Where were the believers during this time? I mean, like, come on, where was the guy who was there that day that they're at a party, Jesus is at the party, and everybody knows ain't no party like a Jesus Christ party because the Jesus Christ party don't stop. They're there. And all of a sudden, the party's starting to turn down a little bit because they're running out of wine. And Jesus says, this is simple. I'll just turn the water into wine. Where was the guy who was there that day that was like, hey, Maybe we shouldn't kill him. He kind of keeps the party going, you know? What was the guy that was there that day when Jesus was preaching to thousands of people and then all of a sudden somebody had an idea, hey, these people are hungry. And Jesus is like, I don't know what we're gonna do. And then the disciples were like, I definitely don't know what we're gonna do. And then a little kid comes over with five loaves and two fish and little Lunchables and Jesus is like, I can feed everybody with this thing. Where was the guy who was there that day? It was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill him. He kind of feeds us. Where was the guy who was there and said, you know what? The rumors are true. He did spit in the mud and then rub it on my eyes. I know that sounds like an insult, but the truth is I was blind and now I can see. Maybe we shouldn't kill him. He kind of seems like a nice guy. Where were those people? On the day where everybody was shouting, crucify him, crucify him, I believe that they were in the crowd that day. They just refused to step up. They just refused to step out to live a little bit different than what the crowd was doing. Friends, hear me today. Even though somebody may or may not have a relationship with Jesus, everybody has a perception of Jesus. And in the skeptical world, here is the perception of Jesus, that he is weak, irrelevant, and weird. You wanna know why? Because they've only met weak, irrelevant, and weird followers of Jesus. I do not believe that the Christian life needs to be defended, but I do believe that the Christian life needs to be distinct from the rest of the world. That we have the right, we have the authority to step out, to step up and be a little bit different than what the rest of the world is doing. This is what we're called to be. This is who we're called to be. To be different than the rest of the world. And in this, Jesus is our example. So we follow in his footsteps. What does this really mean, Ross? Are you saying like I need to like go make a sign and like stand on a street corner somewhere, you know? No, I, I just think it means in our everyday life, we do things a little bit different than what the world does. That means you show up to work on time. Whether you like your job, your boss or not, you respect them. And you do a good job while you're there. You pay people back that you owe money to. You don't complain about the things that the rest of the world does. We are not messengers of gossip, but we are messengers of hope, that we have joy in our hearts, that our faith is not based off of our circumstances. And over time, what happens is people see, uh, there's something different about these people. There's something different about her. There's something different about him. Jesus chose a different path. So we can too. First Peter goes on to say in chapter three, verses eight and nine, this is probably my favorite portion of scripture in first Peter. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Another translation of the Bible actually says that we should be in unity 
of mind. I like that. So sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Point two of the message this morning, if you're taking notes with me, is this. We are collectively called to live in unity. We are collectively called to live in unity. I love this portion of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3 because uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And uh, we just don't have time to like read all the way through it, so you're going to get the links in translation um, this morning. But in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, Jesus is praying. And it's not just Jesus praying, but it is actually his last recorded prayer before he dies on the cross. How many of you know, if it's the last time Jesus prayed, it's probably something we should pay attention to. It's probably important. And this is what Jesus prays for. He's praying for us, his believers, who he knew would be gathered together. He says, Father, I'm praying for them that they may be one as we are one. I love that in our youth ministry, we actually have a motto that says, we are one. And it's based off of the scripture. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one and that the world would see their unity and know they belong to me. Jesus is praying for believers. Why? Because he knows that the only hope for a community is found in the believers of that community. And he's saying This is my plan. My plan is not a church service. My plan is not a building. My plan is not a program. My plan is a people. And if my people would understand who they are called to be and rise up, then their communities would have hope. Not only that, he's not just praying for us in general. He's actually praying for something very specific. Jesus prays for our unity. He prays for our unity. Do you know that you can't spell the word community without unity? (laughs) He's praying that we would be united as a body because he knows that the devil is not afraid of a big church. The devil is afraid of a united church. Oh yeah, we're the biggest church in town. Whatever, if we're not united, we're not doing any good. The devil is not afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. Do you know this is the purpose of why we gather? It's the reason why we come together every weekend. It's the reason why we're talking to you so much this weekend about small groups and support groups because we know that we cannot do this life alone. We don't come here every single week to sing Christian karaoke so we can feel better about ourselves. We come here every single week to remind ourselves that we are better when we are together, that we are in this thing together, that we are stronger when we are together, that God is with us when we are together. We have to be united in this thing. I loved loved our lead pastor, Phil, last week talked to us about this idea that we're called. And he used this illustration about fireflies or, or lightning bugs, however you call them. 
And he says that the lightning bugs, they actually need to be let out of the jar so that they can go and they can light up a dark world. And so this week I did a little bit more research on lightning bugs and I found this out. Do you know that the lightning bugs that spend the most time together actually learn each other's rhythm? And they begin to flicker in unison. I heard that and I went, oh, that is good for that sermon. That not only are we called to go out, but we're called to go out in unity and be in unison together. We come here together, gathered for a reason. We open up the word of God for a reason. We worship together for a reason because we know what we are called to be, who we are called to be, what we're called to do. When we go out into a dark and broken world, we're going to light it up together. We're going to light it up together. I think about it kind of like this. Like everybody in the room, you have a favorite color, right? Like everybody has a favorite color. And so I want you to just be thinking about that really quick. And and here's what I'm going to ask. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that everybody shout out your favorite color. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. All right. All right. That was good. Very good. Now we made some noise there, right? We made some noise, especially over in this section. We made some noise, but, but guess what? I have no idea what you said, sir. You know why? Because it wasn't in unison. I couldn't hear what he said over all the noise. But what would happen is we, if we as the capital C church decided that we were all about the color red, that our favorite color was red. It's red, red, red. I'm an NC State Wolfpack fan, red all day, baby. You know what I'm saying? Red. We're all about red. Red is our favorite color. And so here's what we're going to do on the count of three. Everybody say red. One, two, three. Red. Red. Now, did you see that there's power behind the fact when we say the same thing, when we speak the same language, there was power in our unity. But yet so often what I see in the church is this. I know they said they wanted to be red, but I mean, I kind of like blue. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, pfft, yellow isn't so bad. Did you hear? Church down the street, they did something in fuchsia. How trendy. <laughs> And we chalk it up as personal preference. We chalk it up as, oh, it's just my opinion. But what starts out as your opinion actually leads to criticism, comparison, competition, and division in the body of Christ. And sometimes I feel like we just get so weird about this thing. We always think, well, the grass has got to be greener somewhere else. The grass is greener if they were to do this. The grass is greener if that person would just be removed. The grass is greener if they would just get out of my life. The The grass is not greener on the other side, friends. The grass is greener where you water it. And a lot of times we're comparing ourselves to other people, especially on things like social media. And a lot of times if the grass seems greener, it may just mean that it's artificial turf. The grass is not greener on the other side. I think sometimes we get really weird about this word unity, don't we? It's like, what does that mean? Does it mean we all got to hold hands and stand in a circle and sing kumbaya? Like, what does that mean? 
Unity does not mean uniformity, and unity does not mean that everything requires a unanimous decision, but unity actually means that at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, we rally back around the one thing that brought us together in the first place, and it's this, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The one thing that brings us back together, gathered in unity is the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together, friends. We have a purpose, man. We're called. Yeah, sure, you have a preference, but man, my, 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 my purpose overcomes my preference every time. May we never forget who our real enemy is. Your enemy is not the person sitting on the other side of the room. Your enemy is not the person in leadership that just won't get out of the way. Your enemy is not even the person who criticized you first. Your enemy is actually the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says that the battles we face are not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. We don't have time for competition in the body of Christ. We don't have time for comparison. We don't have time for criticism. We don't have time to be divided. We've gotta be united, friends. We've gotta be united because there is a world out there, the kingdom of darkness would want nothing more than for us to get divided over silly things so that Jesus' prayer never comes to pass. This is what Peter's talking about. We would be of one mind, that we would be united in this thing. This is our collective calling. You know, here at Crossroads, we have something that we call the pod or the pastor on duty. And if you're a pastor on staff, you know this, that about once or or twice a month that you are on call as a pastor that at any moment you may receive a phone call, a text message, or an email letting you know that you have to stop whatever you're doing and go help someone in need. I hope you would realize today, whether you're watching online or you're here right here at our Newburgh campus, that you are on call today. My favorite part about being the class captain was that sometimes I got to leave the class to go help my teacher run an errand. And all the time when I needed to go help her run an errand, she, she would have to actually take a piece of paper and write on it, Ross is allowed to go down the hall and come right back to class. And she would hand that piece of paper to me, and that was called my hall pass. I would take that hall pass outside my classroom, you know, walk past all my loser friends' classrooms and see, you know, with the little window, be like, ah, you know. <laughs> and if ever there was an administrator or a teacher who would try to stop me in my tracks and say, hey, young man, what are you doing out here? You're supposed to be with the rest of the group. You're supposed to be with your class. I would simply just pull out that hall pass and say, "Uh uh-uh, I am chosen. I am called. I got a purpose for being here. Friends, I hope you and I know today that we have a hall pass 
that is for us and not against us. It is the living word of God. And when we go out into a broken and dark world and they try to say to us, hey, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be in this space. You're not supposed to be on this side of the tracks. Where you're supposed to be with the rest of the group. Why do you look so different? Why are you acting so different? Something is different about you. You can't be here. You pull out your hall pass, which is the word of God, and you say, nah, I am called. I am a chosen people. I am a royal priesthood. I I actually am a holy nation and I have other people with me. We are collectively called. We're collectively called in this thing. We're not doing it alone. We're doing this as a group effort. And in just a little bit, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna go back into a time of worship and we're gonna sing this song called Let It Echo. And oh my goodness, come on, can there not be a more perfect song for this message? Like. It's now our job to let our unity echo. When we leave this place, our city, our homes, our schools, our nation, our world should hear the echo that we are saying in unison. And can I just be honest? Like, I feel like sometimes we do this, like, you know, whoever's on stage, we close in prayer and it's like, okay, we're going, you know, they're going to play some music and that's like our music to walk out on. No, it's, it's not. We're not done actually. We have an opportunity now to respond in worship to the message that God has deposited in us today. So use this opportunity as a chance to respond. Normal would be, oh, well, I got, I got things to do. Different. I'm responding and I'm going to let my life and our unity as the body of Christ echo in my daily life. Because friends, come on, this is cool that we call this church, but church is really tomorrow. We got to let it echo there. Would you pray with me? Father, would you just help us today to be the kind of people that realize we are collectively called That Lord, you would help us to live our lives different than the rest of the world, making different choices, doing different things, things that make us stand out and make people ask questions and ultimately brings them closer to you. Father, would you help us to be united together in our pursuit to bring people close to you? We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Come on, would you stand with us and worship together? So let it echo from this city to the nations, the sound of praise. Let the windows of the heavens open wide and let it rain. Let's sing it again. So let it echo from this city to the nations, the sound of praise. Let the windows of the heavens open wide and let it rain. Let's declare it together. So let it echo. 
have the decision now to decide whether or not we come to church or whether we go be the church. So when we let it echo, that means that the words that we say and that we hear and that we, we feel the Spirit speaking to us here now together is how we live when we leave this place. If you need to pray with somebody today, you can go ahead and just take a seat when we dismiss and someone will come find you and pray with you. Or if you're new or looking for your next step, you can meet us at the Welcome Center. We'd love to walk you through that. If you need to get connected to a group, whether that's a small group or a support group, uh, find one of our leaders out there in the t-shirts. They'd love to get you connected. But church, we need to decide whether or not we're gonna take seriously the call that God has placed on your life. If we say that Jesus is our Lord, our job now is to bring the kingdom as we spread the love and the hope that we have in him. Thanks for being here this week. We'll see you guys next week.